surprise me. Treading water that they drown me. My head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Mung, and a fantastic guest today. I mean, we are super excited. You know, Mung, I almost didn't give you your due. You know, I always let you go in there and say, and I almost, like, jumped the gun. I'm so excited to have this guy on here. But, Mung, how you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about some more rookies in this class. Uh, a lot to go over. Uh, of course, you guys can ask us questions. We're always around on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung, M-E-N-G. All my articles over at Fantrax HQ, which is also where you can find some of our guests' stuff today. But I'll let you take care of that intro. Yeah, and Mung, and I got to say, for our, our YouTube followers, for our people on Facebook, you know, I think you've created this like professional LinkedIn type photo. I think just to make me look older. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think every episode you just want to point out that I am the Dynasty dad and I'm old enough to maybe be your dad. But, you know, every single time there, people are like, oh, geez, there he is. Hey, tonight's guest, fantastic, super excited. You know, he's a college football and NFL analyst over at FF Diehards, co-host of the NFL Draft Bible with our boy Matt Hicks, who we've had on, I think, 42 times already. Kids' class is about to be in session with the gridiron scholar himself, John Lobb. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. I love the title of the show, Smash Accept, because sometimes when people DM me trades, all I do is I would literally say smash accept. Like, that's it. Like, why did you even have to ask me? That trade is so good. But I get it. You know, they like to ask and get a second opinion. So I love the name of the show. I love this time of the year. And, you know, I'm embarrassed because the only photos of me are like 10 years old now. And it's before I had a beard. And I was going to get some new professional photos before COVID. And since then, then everything was shut down forever, right? I really need to go to a studio and get a professional shot. But I'm working <laughs> on that. That's the summer plan, I mean, to get an updated photo. But I understand. I'm embarrassed that, you know, this is this is the best I got right now. <laughs> hey, it's a good look. You know, I, little, <laughs> little, little anecdote here. So, you know, right now, I'm... My girlfriend, absolutely love her. Uh, but after my divorce, I started dating again, right? Craziness in this day and age after you've been with somebody for like 15 years. And the first woman I started talking to, I was talking to her profile. You know, we we're like, hey, let's get together for dinner. She's like, yeah, but I got one thing I got to tell you. I was like, yeah, what's up? She goes, my picture's 10 years old. And I'm like, oh, uh, so that, okay. She's like, I also got a couple other things. I don't look like that anymore. And I was like, ooh, you know, like Mungs, Mungs puts that picture out there. He looks fantastic. You know, I just had to get that that anecdote. I got catfished, right? The Dynasty dad got catfished. No worry about <laughs> I, that at all. <laughs> my brother, before I met my lovely wife, I did some dating websites. I got some stories, but I'll keep them quiet. Right, oh, right there. Yeah. The it dating, the dating website stories are yeah. That's that's another podcast that we can that's bring up. That's a whole other. I can give you so and, many crazy. <laughs> maybe we'll share those afterwards. So we we've had Matt Hicks on again, and I like I've played in leagues with Matt. Little little shout out. I the league I'm in with him. I won both years. But anyways, <laughs> you know. But I absolutely. I told him when when he was on here. Like, your podcast, and now on YouTube, like, I just watched your video on Drake London. I mean, I love it because it's it's 10 to 15 minutes of consumable content. It's just actionable. You guys, you know, you hit all the aspects. You go over the analytics. You go over, you know, the, the tape. You do everything, and I absolutely love it. If you guys do not, you guys got to go over and check that over at NFL Draft Bible. It's awesome work, man. I love it. And when I was listening to Mac, because Matt's like, hey, check this out. You know, this is what we do. And I'm like... John, like I, I followed you on Twitter. We've been following him for years, but I'm like, this guy has some serious passion and love for what he does. And so talk to me a little bit about your, where your enthusiasm comes from the prospects, you know, and, and how you got started. Yeah, so I, I'm 55. So I grew up in a far, far different generation where football was not as popular as it is today. I mean, there was always the diehard, but you could get to the New York Jets for $20. 
I saw Dan Marino three years in a row in Giants Stadium for 20 bucks. We used to scalp. I used to go down to see the Jets and Giants and the Patriots, dude. Like you, they were given, basically giving away tickets. You would go to the old Foxborough, 10 bucks, and you could see Reggie White and the Eagles. Like no one at the time, my friend. It was such a different world. Here's yeah, you can't park for that now, brother. Oh, look, it cost me to take my son to see a Broncos game for his birthday. Each ticket was $200, Jets, Broncos. I yeah. used to go down there literally for 15 to 20 bucks. So it's a whole different world. Foxborough, you can't even imagine it. They didn't even have bathrooms, dude. They had, they had um, what are those things when you go to a concert? Why can't I remember the name? Like uh, a toiletry that's outside in the box. Okay. Um. What what do you call those things? Porta potty. You talking porta potty? Porta potty. Yeah. Foxborough had porta potties, dude. You would go <laughs> in there and you would have to poop or pee in a porta potty <laughs> for the New England Patriots. And I am not joking. It was a dump. It was literally a dump before they built Gillette Stadium. It was crazy, dude. So I grew up in a generation where. Getting draft stuff was nearly impossible. You know, you would there'd be two college football games on a weekend on a Saturday. Um, the only time you would get draft rankings would literally be late March, early April. So in some ways, I look back and it allowed me to get better because I had to research harder mm-hmm. and pay more attention when I saw a player live. I mean, you might like the Hurricanes. Miami Hurricanes, Eddie Brown, wide receiver. Well, the Hurricanes are on TV a lot, so you could scout him. But there are other receivers. You might get him on once a year on a television, right? So when you have the opportunity, I learned how to watch and pay attention and take notes. And I I was a draftnik when there was no word for draftnik. In college in the 80s, I would be reading Mel Kuyper's book. I would be reading, um, oh, my God, what? Uh, he passed away. He was from Pro Football Weekly. Um, Joel Bushbaum's book. I would order them in the mail and literally digest every sentence of their books. And it was so hard. But what it did was it forced me how to train my mind and how to watch football. Because you might literally only see one game on a prospect. Now I'm blown away. If I, you can get all 22 from people now. Like I came dreamed of that in the nineties, right? So there's some advantages. My light just fell down. There was advantages and disadvantages because it trains you to work harder. And when you got little nuggets, you learned how to study those little bit of nuggets. I could never have imagined this. And it was just something that I had a passion and very few people did like, when, when I was talking about the draft in 1992, people thought you were crazy. Like the only people who liked the draft were Chris Berman, you know, <laughs> and Mel Kuyper yeah. and, and NFL general managers. So it just gave me this love. And it was nine years ago. I decided to go public. I said, look, it, I'm 45. If I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. And sometimes, you know, I've been wrong. Sometimes I've been right. I just, I did it to start to give a different perspective on a website that was dedicated to fantasy football. And, you know, because as a fantasy fan, we used to not get rookies until the summer because you would get your magazines on the newsstand Uh and those would come out in early July. And that was your first filter of rookies with fantasy analysis. The reason I jumped on nine years ago, I wanted to give pre-draft fantasy analysis and post-draft fantasy analysis on football diehards. So nine years later, it's a labor of love. I mean, I just love the game. I love looking at prospects. I love the draft. And I'm just, my passion is that I, I teach this way if I'm teaching the Gilded Age or the Great Depression. It's the same enjoyment when I'm doing something I love it. And unfortunately, the opposite is true, my friend. If I don't like something, 
<laughs> I, I can be a miserable like I don't want to be here. You know, no, like, that's the way to do life, man. If you love something, you got you got to go all in on it. You know, and it's like, yes, the more you do those things. The one thing Mung and I are trying to get into, you know, and yeah. I know you you're very into it. And Mung, maybe you have some other questions with this, but we're both trying to dip our feet into Debbie, right? And like a lot of our oh. a lot of our listeners are too, and they're like, you know, we talk. We talk fantasy, we talk dynasty, you know, primarily dynasty, but then they're like, talk to us a little bit about Devi. And like every year, you know, Mung and I just get sharper and sharper with the rookies because of the great guests that we have going on. And you guys are always super passionate about it. But for for our listeners who aren't playing Devi, you know, and I know that's something you're totally into, tell tell them why they should. Well, one, so like last year, um, I was very high on Brees Hall and Devi, right? And I had him ranked higher, and there were people who disagreed with me. He's been at the top of my board for a long time. Now, I also put upperclassmen. If I have two equal players, especially at the running back position, I rank the upperclassmen because I love B. John Robinson. But the oh, longer yeah. you play in college, the more the greater the chance for injury. Right? We don't want injuries, but they're a reality of this violent game. So same thing with right now. If I'm judging – Bijan Robinson or Trevion Henderson, I'm going to go Bijan Robinson because I got two years of college hits mm-hmm. that Trevion Henderson could blow out on me. Uh, let me limit that to one year. So the reason I, I like Debbie, I'm watching these young men anyways because I'm playing college fantasy football, right? Last year, I've already been scouting Jackson Smith and Jigbu. I've been scouting C.J. Stroud. I just mentioned Trevion Henderson. I've been looking at them because I have them in college fantasy football. Well, I just take notes. You know, I literally have a, a file folder over here where I literally have running backs in one folder, wide receivers, quarterbacks. And I can go and get a sheet of notes on what I visually saw. Now, that's anecdotal. That's live action. I like taking notes in live action. But Debbie allows me to get a head start. So once the draft is over, I'm going to be doing college slash Debbie in June and July. What does that mean? I'm watching film of those players. So when I sat down in January, I had so much, the quarterbacks were the easiest one. I had seen at least five games on every quarterback by January 1st of last year. Now, some like Sam Howell, I've probably seen him play 15 times. Um, you know, Carson Strong, I've seen him play like eight times. Desmond Ritter, I might have seen more Desmond Ritter over the last three years than any other quarterback because I'm a Cincinnati, I'm an American Athletic Conference fan. Cincinnati's been very good. They're they're on TV all the time. Plus, I knew Ritter was a a, a draft prospect, right? So Debbie forces you to watch the players and get way ahead, way ahead of the competition. So I've known about David Bell for three years. Now, unfortunately, the combine game, we could talk about it, but he was so much less athletic than I expected him to be. His production profile is unbelievable. Exactly. And I I think he's someone that, and we're going to allude to it a little bit, but someone because of that is going to be such a discount. Who's a phenomenal talent, you know, and I'm excited about that. So John, John, I got a question for you, or I guess technically two questions. Okay. So who's, who's somebody that when you were watching during the college season, maybe while you're playing, maybe a star in your fantasy college teams, uh, who you are really high on, but then maybe since you've been looking more closely into him the last month or so, you've started to come down a little bit. And then vice versa, who's someone may, that maybe even you overlooked during the college season, but as you've been doing more and more research, uh, you've really started to love? Great question. First one, Kyren Williams. I absolutely loved him at Notre Dame. Um, the year of COVID in the summer, I had started studying the Notre Dame depth chart and I was reading reports and out of Notre Dame and quotes by Brian Kelly. And they had a freshman that year named Chris Tyree. And a lot of Debbie people thought Chris Tyree was going to be the guy. I think Tyree was a five-star prospect, but he was guaranteed. I know he was a four-star prospect. 
So there was a debate in the college fantasy football universe, who's a Notre Dame running back? Well, when I did my research, it was Kyren Williams. So I went on my CFF podcast and I told all our viewers in the summer of 2020, get Kyren Williams. And I liked the Notre Dame had five returning offensive linemen. So there were other reasons to invest in the Notre Dame offensive line. This year, Kyren Williams, they graduated like four of those linemen. And I was a little bit worried. And he still came and played great this year. I mean, pass blocking, pass catching, getting to the outside, running between the tackles. He was great. I love the film. Love the production model. Two years. But then he went to the combine. Now, his pro day was better. But I can't ignore those athletic numbers for a mm-hmm. scat back who, what's he? I think he's under 200. <clears throat> Let me look. He's 194. So you're looking at a player who's already got a challenge. We know that 205 is like that golden weight for running backs. Mm-hmm. You have a player who's 11 pounds under the weight threshold, and he's not incredibly athletic. I mean, I have him at number 12 now. I had him at like number five or six in late December. But I, I can't ignore that lack of athleticism. I think his ceiling is capped. I think, you know, he's he's uh, he's going to be in a rotation. So I think his fantasy value is very limited. I, and I just can't ignore that. Two, I'm mad that I missed on this player as an NFL prospect. But I also didn't think he'd come out early. So that's part of it, but not an excuse. I should have known better watching him, that he might go pro. Sky Moore. I watched I watched Western Michigan with Dwayne Eskridge last year. Sky Moore was impressive in burst, but he wasn't like, oh, my God, this guy's great. Had him in some college fantasy football teams this year. The production was off the charts. He was amazing. But he was a junior. And not a lot of group of five wide receivers to clear for the NFL draft. They're just not, it's just not as normal as those in the power five. So it wasn't like on my radar. Then mm-hmm. I remember when Sky Moore declared, I was like, oh, that's interesting. My immediate thought was, ah, I wanted him in my college fantasy football next year. And my second thought was, oh, he's probably a little smaller. Let me look into him. Plugged in the production. Whoa, Sky Moore is impressive. I didn't realize he, I think it was 170 receptions. Let me check if my old man brain, I just have to open up my model profile. Um, yeah, 170 career receptions. I was right. And then I looked at Team Aerial Dominator 39% receiving yards per task, pass attempt 3.51. Wait a second, what's going on here? This guy in the production model is smashing it. What did I miss? And I said, well, I don't know how athletic he is. He's at a group of five program, right? Western Michigan, he's playing Mac defensive bats. Hey, he showed up 5'10", 195. He's heavier than Kyren Williams. And then 4-4-1, Oh, my God. Sky Moore all the way up to number seven on my board. The number in the, the production, the size, and the athletic ability. It checks every box. And, of course, I like the film. But, you know, I, I'm very understanding the difference of a power five prospect to a group of five prospect. From a production standpoint, you have to factor in the numbers are greater at the group of five level. I love it. You know, I, hearing you go through the whole process is just Fantastic. And Mung, that was an awesome question, honestly. So you it can kind of work, work your way through <laughs> that. You know, uh, Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, rookie drafts are right around the corner. I mean, all of our Smash Leagues, we draft May 2nd. We're going to start that Monday. We're just going to get it out there. Smash Except 5 is actually doing a startup that day. The rest of the Smash Except Leagues are going to be starting doing rookie drafts that day. So, I mean, this is going to be my birthdays that weekend. Like, we're just <laughs> pumped up here, you know? Like, so... The guy that that Mung's been talking about, the guy that you you know, I just watched a video on there that you guys have up, and I, I think the numbers you used, you said for for this player was 
He just put up silly numbers production-wise, right? I mean, you're looking at 119 targets, 88 receptions, 7 touchdowns in 8 games. I mean, Drake London absolutely dominated. Talk to me a little bit about it because I, I was I was listening to it and I heard the word unicorn in there. Mung's, been, Mung's got him in his wide receiver one. I don't quite have him there. I mean, across the board for Smash, except all three of our, four of our analysts have different guys as, as wide receiver one. Uh, but Mung's guy has been Drake London. Drake London is really moving up and someone that we absolutely love. Talk to me a little bit about him. Here's the perfect Devi player. You could have got him after his freshman year for absolutely nothing in Debbie football. Most of the Debbie community had no interest in Drake London. Matt and I did a profile of him on our Debbie show in the summer of 2020. And I talked about Drake London. And I remember the criticism at the time was that A, he only played in the slot. And B, he doesn't get a lot of separation. Legitimate criticism. But I said, you can't coach size. And I've got to take into the fact, he was listed at the time at 6'5", now he's 6'4". But that's fine, he's still very big. And I was impressed with what I saw as a freshman on tape. And he was a dual threat athlete. He played three games of basketball for the Trojans that year. Mm -hmm. And he played in high school. So I'm very into the three-sport athlete, especially if they run track and play baseball. Basketball, I'm sorry. Those I'm very, very interested in, especially at wide receiver. So, mm -hmm. piqued my interest. And I like the film. Remember, freshman year. Let me go through that depth chart for everyone. Michael Pittman played at the X. Amon Ross St. Brown played at the Y. And Drake London played at the slot. Oh, now I understand why he was at the slot. Plus, he's a freshman. Plus, in the Pac-12, my friends, they didn't have any safeties who could cover a 6'4", 219-pound slot receiver. They don't exist in the Pac-12. <laughs> he was just a, a nightmare. Well, Michael Pittman goes to the NFL. What do they do? They move Amon Ross St. Brown. Well, if I got a 6'4", 219-pound slot receiver, I'm going to leave him there. No one can cover him again. Goes out, smashes again. I move him up my Debbie board. Still, no one liked him. This year, guess what? Well, now we saw what Amon Ross St. Brown just did. Went to the Lions, became a star, a fantasy. He won me so much money in DFS. Both my two of my winning teams had him in redraft and one in dynasty. What do they do? Oh, let's move our big boy out to the X. And I said this on our Debbie seminar last year with Matt. And this is not play, this is true. You can go watch it on, on video. I said, this is going to prove everything. I understand the lack of separation, but he's going to play X for the Trojans. And I expect a big jump in numbers. You just mentioned, I did not expect 119 targets, and 88 receptions. He even exceeded my expectations. I mean, he blew out the production model. He, I mean, he was like all American, all Pac-12. I mean, he was unbelievable. I bet you if we had... Five honest Debbie people last year, I bet you four of them would never have mentioned Drake London in the top four. Looky, that's why Debbie matters. You could have had Drake London as your third wide receiver on a Debbie team, and no one would have cared. You could have traded for him last someone, and people would have given you for a bag of donuts Drake London. He's going to go in the top 10 of the NFL draft. I mean, you can't get any better than that. If you don't like them, trade them. The value's there. It doesn't matter. If you really don't like, and some people don't like them, then trade them. Because the value is sky high. Top yeah. 10 wide receiver. Hello, that's exactly what you're looking for in Dynasty and Devi. I love it. And, you know, in the latest mock from, from ESPN's Mel Kuyper, they do have him going at 10. You know, and, and the Jets situation, you know, two months ago it was Traylon Burks. Then last month it was Garrett Wilson. Now all of a sudden you got you got Drake London moving all the way up into that ten spot, and you know he's a monster at the catch point with contested catches. You know there's some of those concerns on separation are, are going to come to light. But Mung, what I want to do next, and this is something a new twist here. We're going by ah. dy Dynasty Trade Calculator value wise 
These two players are dead even. I want you to pick one. Then I'm going to kick it over to you, John. Uh, you know, it is draft season, so a lot of times the people are asking if I have this pick, and a lot of times Drake London's going 103 to 106, you know, depending on what we have, depending on where these quarterbacks are. We know some of them are going to get drafted early, and that's going to kick things around a little bit. But we're looking at Mung, Drake London, or staying with USC, Michael Pittman, who I think is going to have, you know, he had a minor breakout last year. I think Michael Pittman is going to eat this year. But Drake London or Michael Pittman, Mung? Yeah, that's a really tough one. And I think I would lean Pittman here because Pittman's kind of what we want London to be, right? I, I, I comped London to a T. Higgins type, but that's not too far off Pittman's game either where these guys can just go up and snag those balls. I, I know the Jets' uh, name is Mud, but I wouldn't hate London uh, with Zach Wilson, who's pretty fearless about just throwing it deep and throwing it up for his guys to get it. And I, I think that London can win those 50-50 balls if Wilson's willing to throw them up. Now, John, I mean, USC has just been churning them out. And, you know, and I, I think there was a time there where they were, we, we were saying USC wide receivers weren't going to be anything. You know, Keyshawn Johnson, and then there was nothing for like a long time. And look, they've they Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. They've had good receivers. Exactly. Which one of these USC wide receivers, if you had to pick today, you know, and we're saying he's going to the Jets, Drake London to the Jets or Michael Pittman on the Colts, and you're you're drafting in Dynasty. Which guy would you rather have? There's two reasons I'm going to take Drake London. One, he's a first-round pick, top 10. Two, he's younger. I'm going to go with Drake London there. I love Pittman. I had him as a second-round grade coming out. The Colts took him in the second round. If I have a top 10 wide receiver Dynasty asset, I'm going to take that. But it's and very I, close. I like what, what Mung said is the ceiling of Drake London is, is – T. Higgins maybe slightly better, you yeah. know, and I think Michael Pittman is a light version of of that, you know, and I feel like if if we could get Drake London to Michael Pittman status, I think he'll get there quicker than Mike where Michael Pittman is and has a little bit more upside. So I'm going to lead Drake London as well, but that's that's a fun thing to kind of debate, you know, and I wanted to oh, throw absolutely. that wrinkle in here. So my wide receiver one, and you know, I like the big guys as well, and I heard you say, and and this I love this word, you you said I you kept on. Is it pontificating about this Razorback wide receiver? I was like, yo. I was like, first of all, you got to tell our Smash Except listeners are going to be like, what's he talking about? We don't use those kind of words. You know, but 66 receptions, 1,104 yards, 11 touchdowns, six games over 100 yards, that rushing upside with absolutely poor quarterback play. And Traylon Burks goes in the Mel Kuyper's mock at 23 to Arizona. So talk to me a little bit about the upside of this player. And a lot of times... People are saying, well, he didn't run that great at the Combine. Look at the tape of his 92-yard touchdown he had last year. I mean, when, when you put GPS on it, he ran at 22.6 miles per hour. When this guy gets it going, I mean, I, I love Traylon Burks. I love the, the bigger wide receivers. Talk to me a little bit about him. So first, you have to understand, in my book, he doesn't win with burst and acceleration. That's not Traylon Burks' game. Agreed. You just alluded to it. His top-end speed, once he gets that body moving... He's flying. He's flooring, dude. Yeah. He's flooring. And I think it was Lance Zerline who said he was now looking at, like, the 10 to 40 mark in the 50. Like, what is the trucking? That wasn't the word he used. But basically, once the player's trucking it, getting up to full speed, and that's what you just mentioned at 22.6, Traylon Burks is trucking it. Then, a very sticky stat, receiving yards per pass attempt. It's a very sticky stat for fantasy success in the NFL. I'm looking at a 2.50 for my benchmark. Guess what Traylon Burks had? 3.5. Wow. He, let me just give you, Sky Moore, 3.5. Um... Jalen Tolbert, 3.6. But those are both against group of five defensive backs. Mm -hmm. um, let me, Drake London, ah, 2.16. That's not a great receiving yards per pass attempt. Now, when I have a 41% team aerial dominator, I have a 3.51 receiving yards per pass attempt. And I have a player who trucks it 
at what did you say, 22.6 miles? Yeah. He's 6'2", 225? Man, please, the ceiling. And I know he's a raw route runner. I know he's not a perfect receiving prospect. I get that. My friend, if you are drafting Burks and you're going to line him up on the X and play him at the X 80% of the time, you're just doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. If I'm drafting Traylon Burks, he's going to play Z. He's going to play slot. He's going to play X. I'm going to put him in motion. I'm going to find, I'm going to put him on quick screens. Like remember Demarius Thomas? Yeah. Where Peyton Manning would get the ball out. I used to he, love that. One, yeah. one missed tackle. What did Demarius Thomas do? He Boom. Gone. gone. Right? You get the ball in this man's hands. If I'm if I'm expecting him to stand out there like a statue at the X and win with acceleration and burst on a quick out. I'm just I'm just a silly offensive coach. I'm just not doing my job. Well, Mung and I talk about this all the time. That that means I, something, right? If we get him to the right guy, I mean, I, I'm I'm thinking a little bit about what Shanahan was able to do with Debo, and I know they're not yeah. the same player, but like we get him to the right. I mean, we got him here going to Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury, who I believe would be able to do that. You take him into the wrong situation, and they try to do that. You know, they we were talking about the Jets. I don't know if the Jets scheme properly to get that done. You know, like well, me, landing spot matters for, in my opinion, for Traylon Burks way more than Drake London or Garrett Wilson. Well, let me tell you something that's scary. The Cardinals don't put the receivers in motion. The Cardinals have a terribly fixated four receiver set. If you act, if if you look at the numbers on the Cardinals, they're not very interested and they're not very diverse in their routes. It's really bad. One of the things Cliff Kingsbury, I always thought he did wrong, was he was playing Christian Kirk in the wrong spot. That's going to be a problem in my mind. I I don't love, I love the players around him. I love the quarterback. I don't like the scheme. Like, you know who he would be perfect, but they'll never get him? Sean McVay and the Rams. Sean McVay and the Rams would use, in my opinion, Traylon Burks in the right way. You need to understand the asset and the player that you are bringing into your offense. And when you do that with Traylon Burks, you're going to get a productive player. If I if I'm just stick him out there at the X and leave him out there, we're going to have no fantasy value, my friend. So, yes, landing spots, everything. Now, Mung, you, you left because he was saying good things about Traylon Burks, you know, and every time, <laughs> every, every time I do, you get on my case here a little bit. So I think this one's going to be a little bit of a smash here for you on, on DTC here because they have him as their highest-rated wide receiver. So it is for you the 26-year-old Chris Godwin or the 22-year-old Traylon Burks? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's Godwin for me. I just, especially with the Cardinals, I think we've shown that Cliff Kingsbury has good starts to his seasons, and this has been documented to some extent. But he's also, you know, he's not the most creative coach that some people were touting him as when the Cardinals hired him. Mm -hmm. Um, As you said, they don't use enough motion. And I also don't know that this would make sense for them to draft Burks when they have Rondale Moore, who is also more ideal for the slot. So I do think they would put him outside uh, because that's something that Kingsbury would think he can do, right? They remember when they drafted Andy Isabella and people were excited for him. And then, uh, no, you know, just great nothing point. happened with that. Uh, so yeah, I'm taking Godwin here. Um, I'm a little risk adverse uh, of Godwin coming off the ACL especially if you're contending and need him to contribute early in the season. But mm-hmm. even with the gap in age, even if you're rebuilding, I think I still want Godwin here. John, we we'll kick it over to you. Now, usually I'm going to take the younger player, but I do think Godwin's special. He's yeah. done it for multiple years. Yes, the injury is concerned, but we know that receivers, the, the, the technology's better, the medicine's better, recoveries are better. And Godwin's ceiling is so high. 
And if I got another year with Tom Brady, I, I've got to go Godwin. 26 isn't old enough yet. You know, I'm not looking at wide receivers till 29 or 30. I'm going to keep Godwin in this, even though my I want to go younger, but I can't pass up a Godwin. Yeah, I mean, Godwin is a buy. I mean, in Dynasty, he, he has is. moved down. They moved him because of the injury below DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson. He's on that same level almost, I mean, on their ranking, value-wise isn't far off Elijah Moore. And I, I love Elijah Moore. But Chris Godwin is a is a beast and the guy that's going to be there. And he's in the prime of his career, you know. And he's been a wide receiver one year in and year out. He's just right there. So love that. Uh, moving on to the last of the the big three. Well, no, we actually got a big four, you know, because after we had uh, after we had Matt Waldman on, we can't not talk about Chris Olave because he's got him as his one. Uh, we're going to talk Garrett Wilson, seventy receptions, ten fifty eight, twelve touchdowns, an absolute electric wide receiver in Kuiper's mock. He goes eight to the Falcons as the number one off the board. Now. And, and I'm going to talk about Alave too, because Alave Kuiper has going at 19. I mean, people have been down on this class, but right there, you're talking about four guys in the that top 19. Have, yeah, some absolute, you know, absolute beast wide receivers. And we know the guys coming out in 2023 potentially could be higher ceilings, obviously. But these are four guys that I'm going to try to load up on on my dynasty teams. Kuiper has him going to the Saints at 19, which I love. 65. 936 and 13 touchdowns. Talk to me about both the Ohio State wide receivers here and which one you prefer. So this is a great question because Matt and I have had this debate for three years now. He's Team Olave. I'm Team Garrett Wilson. Okay. Well, we've for- we've heard the Olave because he. I mean, he went. He had glowing, glowing went- things to say. He was so high on Olave. I had to go back and look at things, and I had to adjust my rankings a little bit. Sell me on Wilson now, because we got sold on Olave, and I love Wilson. I'm a Wilson guy, but sell our listeners on why it's Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson's special, and what I mean by that, he has this unique combination. The acceleration and burst is unbelievable. He can get immediate separation, so that's phenomenal. If I want a quick passing game, if he's you know on the blitz, if he's the hot receiver and I need the ball out of my hands in one second, Garrett Wilson can get open for you, right? I love that. But then what's amazing, I haven't seen this very often in my lifetime. His second level separation, and what I mean by that is 15 yards or deeper down the field, mm-hmm. is out freaking standing. I mean – I know part of it's the scheme, and I understand he's probably just better than most. But when you consistently see him four or five yards wide open, 20 yards down the field, I can't ignore it. Like, it doesn't happen by accident on a regular basis. Like, you are doing something right. Garrett Wilson, at that second level, with the second head fake, the dip of the hips, the crack of the legs, the breaking of the ankles. Boom, he's just gone. And his ability to track the ball deep is outstanding. And why I like him over Alave, and I only saw this anecdotal, but the stats now back it up. Olave doesn't get yak yards. I think he only broke five or six tackles all last season. I, I mean, when you hit Olave... He goes down, man. He's done. Mm-hmm. All right, I got my 12 yards. I'm done. Wilson, man, he is a bulldog deep. Like, if he gets that ball 20 yards downfield and there's another corner on him, he's going to shake him. He's going to He's going to hit. He's going to take the angle. And yak yards matter. We're, we're, our goal is to acquire points. Yards are worth points. So when we're talking about two great prospects – and I got the home run ball on a Garrett Wilson with the yak yards. That, to me, that that ability deep down the field separates Wilson. So now that we've gone over those four, there's actually one more wide receiver I want to talk about here today before we move on to the running backs. Everybody wants to hear you, you know, separate the running backs and talk about it. But, I mean, in this mock, we got Jamison Williams going to the Eagles at 15. They were talking about true, absolute, raw speed 
and yeah. upside where we're saying like if if the ACL tear didn't happen, we're talking about a a tier there maybe of five guys, you know. And it would be my number two. I, I agree with that. Like this guy, man. I mean, like I, I keep talking about it with John off the air, and, and like we were talking about. Could you just imagine if, if KC moved up? You know, and they got their their new Tyreek Hill, and he was able to be in an offense where he could be explosive. But talk to me about Jamison Williams, and then I want to come back and I want to discuss who is the alpha of this wide receiver class. I mean, if you were on the clock, who's that guy you would take? So let's start with Williams, and let's transition that way. All right, Williams is strategically so freaking important to an offense. I joke, but I'm being dead serious. He's what the Raiders thought. Henry Ruggs was. The Raiders thought when they drafted Henry Ruggs, they were getting Jamison Williams. Yeah. I they, would lower. They get a guy with an actual breakout age instead of Henry Ruggs, which was clear. And Williams is more electric deep down the field. Like when you compare the two route running, it's not even close, my friends. Yeah. I was very low on Ruggs. I had him at number five. And I told all my followers, I don't own one sheer of Henry Ruggs in Dynasty. Same. I, we were so far off of him. I, I look at, I've seen too many of these one dimensional speed merchants. I, I'm too old. I've seen it for years and it's not, it's ironic. Of course, the Raiders had another speed demon. I had zero shears of John Ross, zero shears of Henry Ruggs. Never owned that. Jamison Williams is not those two guys. So that's what makes him special. He is Deshaun Jackson. That's what you need. Ooh, yeah. I, I, I'm almost, when you saw Deshaun Jackson at California, and my friends, I remember, I thought the Eagles reached because he was a punt return star mm-hmm. for the Golden Bears. And he was he was very good at college and highly praised. But I had some questions, like he was a little undersized, right? Jackson wasn't the biggest guy. He looked more like a special team. It might, just my book. But Andy Reid plucked him. And yeah. you remember back in the day, Andy Reid was not good at drafting wide receivers with the Eagles. Go look at some of those early draft picks. Andy Reid had way more misses than he had successes. Mm-hmm. The one success he had with Philadelphia was Deshaun Jackson. Every time I watched Jamison Williams this year, you know what I thought? That's Deshaun Jackson. You know when Deshaun Jackson just made those big plays 40 yards on mm-hmm. the field with Michael Vick? When he makes – like, he used to burn the New York Giants. Like, how is he 10 yards open over the top of the safety? Like, like you're like, oh, my God, how did he do that? Now he could be frustrating because he could go three for 112 and two touchdowns, and next week he's four for 20, right? <laughs> I mean, but the value that Deshaun Jackson has – with the ability to attack every safety, every quadrant of the field, especially that deep middle, is so it's invaluable. And Jamison Williams, what he's so good at, attacking the safeties. He, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? He gets right on top of the safety. He gets by the safety. Then he creates separation. I mean, it's like wicked split. Like safety's like 10 yards from him. He's right on him, and then he goes right by him, and then he tracks the ball deep. Those, I mean, his ability to track the ball deep is awesome. I mean, that's one thing Deshaun Jackson, you see, you ever watch Deshaun Jackson, you just have that little head turn, right? And you're like, oh, he's got it. Like, you just, you know, he knew it. Like, that ball's coming, baby, and Jackson would get it 10 yards down the field. He'd track it and catch it. I like, now, the ACL. That's the only thing, right? I, he and it happened be, late. You know, that's be fine, but you never know. But that's why I have him at four instead of two. Now, Mung, now I, I said we were going to jump to the wide receiver one here, but we're going to stay with the what we've been talking about. I'm going to make this one a little bit more difficult for you. So then we got we got Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and I'm going to throw two wide receivers who are in that same exact area on DTC, and that's Elijah Moore and Devonta Smith, two wide receivers I absolutely love for Dynasty. If you got to pick between those four guys, who is it for you? Look, I know this is going to be a cop-out answer, but <laughs> I think these guys are close enough where I don't think Moore, Smith, Olave, or Wilson are true, you know, alpha-type 
number one wide receivers who are going to dominate target volume like a Devonte Adams. Um, so I, I really do think they're going to be, you know, contributing wide receivers. And, and it sounds like Smith could be paired up with Wilson or Olave based on a lot of the mock drafts. Mm-hmm. So really it, it's a pickup. I think um, if I had to order them, it would go Wilson more Smith than Olave. Um, but again, they're, they're all right there for me. See, I had I had Wilson as a guy who I thought has potential wide receiver one potential. I mean, I love I love Devonta Smith, and and I but I mean for me, I, I'm choosing Garrett Wilson out of that group because I do feel like he has a potential to be a wide receiver one in the right spot because of how explosive he is and and like some of the stuff that John was alluding to there. I mean, I think he has that that kind of upside. I don't see Elijah Moore. Or, or Chris Olave. I see them as steady wide receiver twos in, in, in Dynasty. Um, John, break the tie here for us a little bit. You're going you're gonna to get my full geek. I am all in on Elijah Moore. I, if anyone watched me, I had Elijah Moore, my number four wide receiver. Last year's class was very deep, yeah. very special. I was higher on more than most people. I was very early on Elijah Moore because that's the advantage of playing college fantasy football. Mississippi two years ago with Matt Corral and Elijah Moore was one of the best offenses in college fantasy football. And all I knew is every time I watched Elijah Moore, he was beating everyone all yeah. over the field. And then I plugged in the numbers and he went to the combine. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm going to stay with Moore here. It's close, but the one year difference isn't enough to make it up. Even though I do love Garrett Wilson, I would, if I had right now, I would rank Garrett Wilson number five in last year's class. I could not rank him over Elijah Moore. Okay, I like that. I mean, I have Elijah Moore. If people that listen to the podcast, I've been pounding the drum for Elijah he's Moore. So it's he's someone so that I I own everywhere. And then every you know, listeners that that I play with started trying to extort me on it. You know, they were trying to get me to to way overcharge. You know, and that's the crazy thing there. Um, John, who is your wide receiver one out of this class? I mean, Mungs is, is London. Garrett it's Garrett Wilson. That's that's who John has, and I have I have Burks, but I can see. You know, like I, I feel like the biggest range of outcomes is with Burke. So, like oh, that, yeah. that part That's is the why. interesting thing. Like, right? Like, I could see him being an absolute alpha, being the guy from this class, and then I could see a situation where it's like you back off a little bit because he doesn't go to the right situation. So, Wilson feels a little bit safer. London feels a little bit safer. For me, I just have Burke's ceiling so high. Burke's might have the the highest ceiling of all three. That I will agree with you. But he might have the lowest floor. Yeah. That's why I have Wilson above him. Because I think Wilson has 1,400-yard upside. And I think at his worst, he'll be a 1,000-yard receiver. I love it. We don't have a ton of time. But we got to talk about the running backs. I'd be I'm remiss sure. if we didn't. So the podcast that I turned on where I was like, dude. And, and I literally messaged you like the next day after I heard it was the Kenneth Walker one. you know, And I was like, dude, man. I mean, Kenneth Walker has just blown up, right? I mean, you're talking about Debbie, the what he's done, where his stock's gone in the last year. And I saw, you know, uh, I saw that Matt has him the highest in his model. And we, we always try to talk about last year versus, you know, the year before versus the year before. And he has, you know, in his production model, his tape grade he has on DeAndre Swift was 85.9. Najee was 85.5. And the highest this year he has is Kenneth Walker at 83.2. A lot of people are just saying, hey, it's Brees Hall. Brees Hall's the 101. Doesn't matter where he goes, this or that, you know. And I know when he came on here, he was talking about Brees Hall was, you know, he, he comped him very similar to David Montgomery. Now people are putting him as, I have some people putting him as like their dynasty RB2. And I'm talking about some pretty big time analysts putting him all the way up in that status. Who is your guy between these two? I mean, is it Brees Hall? Is it Kenneth Walker? And talk to me a little bit about both. Sure. First. I'm going to go back. You mentioned Debbie. We opened it up with this. Just to give you the the rise of Kenneth Walker. For those who don't know, he played at Wake Forest the first two years. So who knows what Dave Clawson was doing? I mean, it's mind-blowing that Dave Clawson didn't put him on the field. He was in a timeshare. Okay, whatever. That's Clawson's system. Last year, my Debbie rankings, I had Kenneth Walker at 33. Right, so that gives you an idea. Right now, Kenneth Walker is my number two prospect. I am higher on Brees Hall than Kenneth Walker because of the pass catching. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Kenneth Walker can't do it. I do think he's a good he's a good enough pass receiver. 
Here's the difference. We haven't seen it. We're projecting. Mm -hmm. I, do I project him to be a 40? Can he have 40 catch potential? Yes. Do I think he's dynamic like a Ricky Waters, Thurman Thomas, Ladanian Tomlinson? No. Can he be efficient? Dump offs, screen passes. Maybe you get him on a wheel once in a while. To me, an elite running back is a running back who can run the wheel route 20 yards down the field. Why I love Najee Harris so much last year, he was literally running wide receiver patterns for the Crimson Tide. He was running outs 15 yards down the field yeah. and catching the ball. We have not seen that with Kenneth Walker. He, you just It's not on film. Maybe I missed the one wheel route he ran, or maybe the quarterback didn't throw it to him. I didn't see that. Brees Hall, we've seen throws down him deep down the field. His his route running is more advanced. Now, part of it's the offense. There's no question. Iowa State designed an offense to get Hall the ball. Wake Forest and Michigan State did not. So it doesn't mean that Walker can't. But when I plug him in my model and I do my film grades, I can't just say... I know he can do it. I can only say I know he can do it when I see it. Mm -hmm. And the numbers say it. Do I think he can? Yes. I thought Jonathan Taylor could be a good pass catcher, but he's not LaDainian Tomlinson. I mean, it's obvious. Is he better than what we saw at Wisconsin? Absolutely. Right? And, and, and if you the get... I mean, if you get like we did last year between 30 and 40 receptions perfect in the NFL, you don't, I mean, like, I got to give a shout out. You, you said Thurman Thomas and like, yeah. dude, that's my favorite running back of all time as a Bills Unbelievable. fan, you know, and you said Ricky Waters and I feel like I'm probably the only other person that was like, yo, all right, <laughs> you know, but uh, honestly, you're, you're looking for those guys. We, there aren't tons <laughs> of Priest Holmes, LaDainian Tomlinson, Thurman Thomas type running backs, but if you can get a guy to get. 20 receptions, 30 receptions oh, in yeah. today's NFL. You do need that. And Jonathan Taylor was a guy coming out. That was the kind of knock on him. you know. And Kenneth Walker, that's the knock on him. And it's again, it's, it's a difficult situation because it's like, we just haven't seen it. Doesn't mean yeah. he can't do it. And that's the tricky part, you know, between those two guys. Um, and right, right now, almost exclusively in one quarterback drafts, you're looking at Hall 1, Walker 2. You know, and that's, I, that's my rankings. And, and basically just on the pass-catching difference. Yeah, and everybody wants those running backs, and we talked about it last week. What's the landing spot for you that would just say, you know, you have Hall and Walker, one, two, that would put Walker above Hall? Like if there's a, that one dream Buffalo. landing spot Buffalo. right now. Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. Right, like whoever oh. that is, that stock is through the roof. Like the one-on-one right now doesn't have that cachet it has in the years past. It doesn't even have the cachet it's going to be next year. But yeah. it's like if Hall or Walker go to Buffalo, the Twitter's going to explode. <laughs> it's going to explode, dude. I mean, if Buffalo gets that that workhorse running back with Josh Allen and that offensive line, forget about it. Now, we could argue that his touchdowns are capped because you do have Josh Allen, but I think there comes a time in every quarterback's career where you got to dial back at the goal line on the rushing quarterback. Well, and it sounds like everything out of Buffalo is that, that they're, they're pushing for that this year. They've yeah, even said, because, I mean, they paid him. They're talking about, yes. you know, scaling back. And for me, I was like, oh, Dawson Knox is going to get an uptick here. But it's like, whoever that running back is, that's going to be huge. Yeah, because you can't allow a franchise quarterback <laughs> with Hall of Fame potential and Super Bowls possible you can't keep allowing him get punched at the goal line or expose himself. Now, should he get three to five touchdowns? Of course. Like, you can do that. Can he have nine? He should not be running the football nine times right. near the goal line. He doesn't it have should, to. Yeah, He doesn't have to. You bring in Kenneth Walker, but let's – so maybe Kenneth Walker capped at 15 touchdowns. I'll take it. I mean, didn't Jonathan Taylor have over 20 I yeah. think right now, part Carson Wentz isn't running the ball near the goal line. So you and then <laughs> right, I mean, right. So you had the ability to get into that twenty touchdowns area with Jonathan Taylor. 
with Josh Allen, I don't think you have that high of a ceiling. But you know what? I'll take 1,400 yards, 30 receptions, and 15 touchdowns any day of the week. I mean, that's what you're looking at. And I think Kenneth Walker, Josh Allen will throw him the ball, you know, two, three times game. And that's all all we need, right? And he's efficient enough to do that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that would be if, if, let's say, Brees Hall ends up in Atlanta and Kenneth Walker ends up in Buffalo. You smash, smash Kenneth Walker. You just, you can't, when you have the franchise quarterback with the team on the rise, looking for Super Bowls, and then you have the Falcons, please. <laughs> yeah, and we had Jeff Bell on here, and Jeff Bell had a mock that he did for Fantasy Pros, and it was Brees Hogg, I believe, going to the Chargers, and, and uh, well, Kenneth Walker went to Arizona before Connor signed, so it was like, and I, I keep seeing Hall go into some of these places, like, like the Ravens, you know, and some of those kind of moves. And you're like, oh, come on, we just want it for fantasy. We want it to that. He's going to get that shot. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna throw this to you first this time because I've been doing it with Mung. So we have Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook is the first one, value-wise right there. And I feel like running backs, it just makes it easier because of age. You know, and then, and then the other one is Kenneth Walker or J.K. Dobbins. I'm going to go first Brees Hall, and here's why. In my model and my film analysis of these nine years, so I'm not going to talk about players like you talk Brees Holmes and, and and Thurman Thomas. I'm not going to go, but in the nine years that I've been grading and ranking, Brees Hall is the fourth best prospect. Okay. It is. Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, um, Jonathan Taylor, and then Brees Hall. That's how high I have Brees Hall. Wow. So if you're talking about a running back, who's is he going to be in his fourth year or fifth year? I think Alvin Cook's in his fourth year next year. And he played for a while at Florida State. So my guess is he's 25 at least. 26, yeah. He's 26. Oh, there you he'll, go. Be 20, he'll be 27, I think, by the end of the year. i got to yeah. go Priest Hall in that scenario. Yeah. I, and I loved Alvin Cook, but you're looking at a four-year difference in yardage, carries, you know, I've got to go Brees Hall. Yeah. Second one. So, you said, um, why can't I? Oh, J.K. Dobbins or Kenneth Walker? So here I love, I think I had J.K. He came out with Jonathan Taylor, right? So he was either my second or third ranked running back in that class. Loved him. But we have not seen it yet. And we're entering his third year coming off an entire season that he did not carry the football once. So believe it or not, on this one, I'm going to go Kenneth Walker because I feel the ceiling is very high with Walker. And I think you could, you know what? No, I think you'd get more in a trade for J.K. Dobbins right now. Because I J.K. Dobbins mark is hot, you know, but it's... I would trade Dobbins because the market's hot and give me Walker and cross my, cross my, knock on wood that he ends up a bill. There you go. There you go. Mung. I know, I know you love J.K. Dobbins. No, J.K. Dobbins or Walker for you, and then and then Brees Hall or Dalvin. Yeah, I think if you're contending, um, I would potentially sell that 101 in one QB leagues where you could get Hall for Cook Plus because yeah. I do think Cook is that established workhorse right now. But certainly, I think long-term, it's Hall for sure considering the age gap. Yeah. We do know that running back value declines quickly once they hit that cliff, oh. um, which which is one reason I'm I'm really shocked that Derrick Henry's value is still so high in dynasty. But that that's a different story for another day. We challenge uh, that every year, and then the dude just beasts like that's, every, that's, everyone he's, thinks he's a unicorn. He's been and dead they, for three years. For some some fantasy analysts are like, nope, he's done. This is the year. And then he goes out and just balls out. So it's like until John said it a couple times. Until we see it, we just can't just assume that he's done. He is just not human. Yeah. And then uh, who is it? Uh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, or Kenneth Walker. Walker. Yeah, it's Walker for me. Um, I, I think I have Dobbins far lower in my dynasty rankings than the consensus ADP. I, I've got him. I think RB twenty, RB twenty one, somewhere in that range. Uh, simply because the concern for Walker that we've been talking about, it seems like all Twitter has been talking about for the last week, um, is the, the lack of receptions, right? We know that even in non-PPR formats, receiving backs still score 
a little bit better because of those receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Um, we just want them to be involved in the passing game in general. And we don't know if Walker is going to be that involved wherever he goes. He could end up like an Antonio Gibson or a J.K. Dobbins. But that's the point, right? He at least has the upside where maybe he does go to a team where the offensive coordinator does, you know, risk it a little bit and put him in more of a receiving role. Whereas we know that that's probably not going to happen in Baltimore for Dobbins, not to mention he's coming off of that ACL tear. Um, so basically, you know, you want, I, I think Walker's floor is that JK Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, touchdown dependent RB two, who's going to be a featured early down back, but the ceiling's higher because maybe he does go somewhere, uh, where he gets more involved as a pass catcher. And the one thing that I, I've really, I've been echoing it for the last week and a half. And this is, you know, a lot of our leagues are, hey, there's not a lot of dynasty trades this week. And this is not a week where there will be, you know, they like this. People want those rookie picks. I have been asked personally in the last week, 15 questions about trading the 101. You have held it this long. Do not trade it now because of what we just talked about. Because if Brees Hall goes to Buffalo, things are going to explode and you can sell that for a absolute, you know, a, a, a changer, you know, something it's people are like, well, I have the one one and I'm in a rebuild. Well, so then hold it and trade it for multiple picks, get the 23 first and move back. I mean, there are people right now that I'm seeing are willing to give up one Oh five in a super flex and a 23 first to get up there. Cause some people are so high on, on Brees Hall. Don't trade those picks now. Like they literally, and I'm not saying that I'm in a nutshell, but for the most part, you've held on to them. They're still gaining value. Guess what? NFL draft is going to happen and some other players are going to gain more value. Hold them and trade on the clock. You've held them that long. Congratulations to you because I trade mine like candy to get studs, you know, <laughs> but, but like hold on to it now because it's only going to go up. So John, fantastic having you on here. I mean, I've had a blast. I love, you know, I love talking to people that are high energy, people that have passion about the industry. You, my friend, are one of the elite when it comes to that and when it comes to to rookies. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. I'm Before I say anything else, I want to go back and we opened up with Debbie. I'm going to give you what I think is a very big Debbie tip that people don't talk about enough. I rank Debbie wide receivers higher than running backs. And the reason I do that in Debbie is the injury risk is, to me, much greater at the running back position. Mm-hmm. So many times you get a running back that spends three years on a college campus. That risk just keeps going up and up and up that they get hurt. Bryce so Love, we, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I tend to rank wide receivers higher in Debbie than I do running backs. And the reason I'm saying that is right now, Everyone loves the Debbie running backs. So I would actually pivot right now. And the values at the wide receiver, because everyone's obsessed with the big five running backs in Debbie. But I'm going to tell you this right now, and it's bad news. Two of them are going to get hurt before they get in the NFL. It's just going to happen. 40 years of watching college and NFL football, players get hurt. So I'd rather pivot because out of those five great running backs, the odds of all five of them becoming top 10 picks in the NFL draft is very slim. But you know what? There's five receivers. And I can make an argument that they are all going to be in 2023 and 2024 top 10 picks in the NFL draft. Give me the wide receiver right now in Debbie over the running back that's just a tip that if anyone's thinking i'm going to pivot away from the masses because everyone wants those debbie running backs but they're not looking at the risk pivot to the wide receiver position so that's one thank you gentlemen i love coming on thank you for reaching out to me anyone follow me on twitter at gridiron style 91 couldn't afford the a and the r i would love to interact with you Ask me any Debbie questions, rookie questions, anything you want. And all my stuff is on football diehards or fan tracks. And, yes, we do. The Rookie Big Board is also on YouTube, our video series. 
Thanks, John. And Mung, what, what's going on with you? I know I saw some some fresh rankings, some, uh, you know, always yeah. things going on over there at, at Fantrax. <laughs> yeah, you guys can find all my dynasty rankings, one quarterback and super flex over at FantraxHQ.com. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to leave you guys with a little something that I've been thinking about over the last day or two. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a hot take, but I think that there is a non-zero chance that the Jets could take Jamison Williams at pick number four. Um, and, and the reason I think that is twofold. One, you know, they've been linked to rumors all offseason about trying to trade for a guy like Tyree Kill. Um, they certainly want to upgrade at wide receiver. It sounds like that's a priority for them. And two, the way that the NFL values speed in, in, with the modern offenses, um, we saw that Miami traded back up to pick number six to grab Jalen Waddle last year. Uh, they had to pay a first-round pick on top of pick number 12, I think it was, to do that. But that's how much a game-changer um, uh, that's how much of a game changer that a speedy wide receiver like that. Um, and even after they still trade for Tyreek Hill, even with Waddle. So I, I think it wouldn't be crazy. And I haven't looked at the sportsbook odds, but uh, just something to think about there. So Mom, you I'm guys... give one more tidbit to all our listeners. The first coach who ever talked to me and convinced me about not to me, the first coach I listened to and read about, he was all about speed and he changed football was Jimmy Johnson to the Miami Hurricanes. When Jimmy Johnson took over those Hurricanes in the mid-80s, late 80s, all he ever talked about was speed, speed, speed. And he didn't just mean at the at the wide receiver. He was talking defensive linemen, linebackers, mm-hmm. and that's why the Cowboys won those Super Bowls. He had so much speed, and that's when I realized everything in the NFL is speed. Love it, guys. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the process.